Amen. Not that they need it, but won't we just take a moment just to thank the praise team this morning for leading us. So appreciate them coming early and being prepared and leading us in worship every week. Um, I hope that um, everyone is excited about church as I am. Um, at the prospect of having a council church, uh, early in the week, they were saying that there were, you know, going to be huge storms, and, and we certainly want to pray uh, for those who have been impacted uh, by the hurricane in South Carolina and North Carolina. Uh, we want to be very sensitive to those who are hurting. I think at the last, uh, last numbers, I think 13 people have died, so we need to be praying for those families and those who have been displaced. But personally, I was just a little selfish because I didn't want to council church. Uh, not just because I was excited about preaching, but I was excited to see our church family. Um, one of the things that I love about our church is that we get to do life together, that we get to see each other weekly. So I don't know about you, but throughout the week, I'm just wondering, like, how are my brothers and my sisters doing? So for me, Sunday is exciting because we get to connect and spend time together. Amen? Amen. Uh, over the past few weeks... Uh, we have been in a series that I'm calling DNA, and this is the last uh, sermon in the series. I've, I've been excited about the series specifically because it has given us an opportunity uh, to walk through the church's mission statement. Um, I hope that I've said it so much that you can uh, recite it on your own. Um, those who have been here for a while, I may just start asking you, what's the church mission statement? Because it's important, but also because I just enjoy messing with people. <laughs> but the mission statement is very simple. Calvary Bible Church exists to celebrate the gospel through worship and prayer. When we say worship, we're saying that we are called to value and treasure God above all other things. When we use the word prayer, we're saying that we simply want to clearly communicate with Christ. We also exist to proclaim the gospel through expository preaching and discipleship. Expository preaching is systematically teaching the scriptures. When we preach, we want to be exposed to the truth of the text for the purpose of transformation. Uh, you guys do not need to be exposed to my ideas and my thoughts, but we need to be exposed to God's word because that exposure brings transformation in our lives. We also want to uh, proclaim the gospel uh, through the process of discipleship, where believers are intentionally investing in other believers. Um, everyone will not become a, a pastor or an elder or a deacon or a missionary, but every believer has an opportunity to participate in discipleship because every believer has an opportunity to take what they have been given and they can pass it on to somebody else. The scriptures call us to take whatever we have been given, and God says you are called to pass it on to someone else. On last week, we talked about how we are to live out the gospel, and that is through uh, this word called fellowship. We get the word fellowship from the Greek word koinonia. It means to have uh, something in common. It is a group of people who've come together for a purpose. And for us, a fellowship is more uh, than cookies and punch in the fellowship hall. But fellowship is us doing life together. It is the reality that the tie that binds our hearts together, more so than anything else, is the tie called Christ. And today, we're going to look at uh, this word ministry together. Now, some people are going to be really excited because today, 
we are only going to look at three verses of Scripture. Can I get an amen? All right. Colossians chapter number four. I'm going to read verses four, uh, verses seven through nine. Colossians four, verse seven through nine. Can let me know it by saying amen. Give folks a little bit more time. When you get there, let me know it. Colossians chapter number four. And the scripture simply declares, Tychicus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, uh, Onesimus, our, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will tell you everything that has taken place here. Uh, just for a few moments, I want to preach from the subject title, A Legacy of Ministry. A Legacy of Ministry. Let me pray for us. Father, it is so good to be in your house. So good to be with our family. God, as we dig into your word today, God, I pray that you would give us fresh and clear understanding. God, speak to us in a significant way, God, that we can, God, hear more than a speech. God, but allow us to dig deep into your word. God, it's amazing to me that you never miss an opportunity to speak. God, sometimes we miss out because we're distracted. Sometimes we miss out because we're focused on other things, God. So I pray that over these next few moments, God, that you would allow us to focus on your word. God, that we would be students of your word. And God, as we understand that there's a part of the, the, the learning of your word, God, help us to take the next step. And God, help us to apply your word. God, may it be said of everyone here that we are living a life in such a way that we are leaving a legacy of ministry. God, I know that sounds crazy for some people. I know that sounds weird for me to say, God, but I pray that we would all see, God, that is what you desire for everyone, everyone who is a part of your family. God, so I know that that, that is a big prayer this morning, but I can pray that prayer because I'm praying to a big God who's able to answer, who always answers. Not necessarily how I want you to answer, God, but I thank you that you give me the answer that we need. So I pray now that you are blessed this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Although I am only uh, 37 years young, I have been blessed to meet quite a few people in my life. And of all the people that I've been blessed to meet, those who are young, those who are old, those who are wealthy, those who are poor, those who are black or white, Latino, Asian, those who are educated and uneducated, of all the people that I have been blessed to meet in my life, I have yet to meet a person who did not want to leave a legacy. Not one person, not one male, not one female, not one young person, not one old person. I have yet to live to meet a person who did not want to have a legacy left behind them. 
Not just any legacy, but we all desire to leave a rich legacy. A legacy where people can speak well of you. A legacy where people can speak highly of you. A legacy where people can say good things about you. When I think about uh, the issue of legacy, we must all understand that you will leave a legacy. Uh, Everyone who has ever lived has left a legacy. If you believe that the word legacy is reserved for those who simply make a positive impact on this world, I want to encourage you to to Google the legacy of Hitler or Google the legacy of Jim Crow in the South or Google the legacy of anyone who has done something uh, that is bad. Legacy is not good or bad. Legacy is about the life that we live. One of uh, the writers that I read often um, says this way. He says, one of the greatest fears that we should possess should not be a failure, but of succeeding at the things in life that really don't matter. Essentially, he's saying that we should be cautious in our living because we are living in such a way that we will leave a legacy. Um, I love our passage this morning because it reminds us of a man or individual, a believer, who left a legacy of ministry. The passage highlights a person who succeeded in the things that matter to God. It highlights a person who is not mentioned often, but when he is mentioned, his name matters. Now, I want to be very clear. The person that we will consider today is not one of the most well-known figures of the Bible. Some commentators have called him one of the nobodies of Scripture. God didn't use him to part the Red Sea like Moses. God didn't use him to build the ark like David. God didn't use him uh, to slay Goliath uh, like David. But here's the thing. God did not use him to preach a sermon like like Peter or, or write letters like Paul, but God did use him. God didn't use him as a deliverer or a giant slayer or a builder or a preacher, but God used him specifically as a letter carrier. God used him as a person who would take the epistle and deliver it. Uh, He is what we consider a first century mailman. Before there was a a FedEx or a UPS, there was a man named Tychicus who lived his life in such a way where he was willing to give his life to to deliver the letters that Paul had written. The person that I am describing this morning is a man by the name of Tychicus. Uh, From reading Acts Acts 20, verse 4, we know that Tychicus was from the province of Asia Minor. There are over 31,000 verses in Scripture, and Tychicus is only mentioned in five of them. He's mentioned in Acts 20. He's mentioned in Ephesians 6. He's mentioned in 2 Timothy 4. He's mentioned in Titus 3, and he's mentioned in the book of Colossians. Just for perspective... When you compare his life to other characters, his life doesn't really stack up if you are talking about the the number of times he's mentioned. You compare his life to Judas, Judas was mentioned 32 times in the Bible. Uh, Pilate was mentioned 59 times in the Bible. Pharaoh was mentioned 243 times in the Bible. When you think about uh, this man Tychicus, he reminds us that leaving a good legacy is not about the quantity of times 
your name is mentioned, but it is about the quality of service your life gives. In this life, we need to live in such a way that we ensure that when our name is mentioned, that our name matters. His name is not mentioned much, but his name leaves a legacy for ministry. And when we hear phrases like legacy of ministry, uh, many of us get a little uncomfortable. I can see the room a little, getting a little shaky, right? People are probably thinking like, is he about to give a, a prophetic word that everybody here is called to be a preacher, a call to be a prophet, a call to go overseas? Some of us uh, hear that and we get a little uncomfortable, partly because we don't understand that ministry is for every believer. Like, we consider the people who preach on Sunday, the people who sing, or the people who go abroad as, as missionaries and ministers. And, and yes, it is true that there are some who are vocationally called into the ministry, but here's the truth. As a church body, we want to have a mindset that every member is a minister. Like, every member has an opportunity to serve in a significant way. When we hear this issue of, or the phrase, a legacy of ministry, many of us have concluded that God could never really use me because of some of the past sins that I have committed. We think that because the marriage failed. We think that um, because of the same-sex attraction that I've struggled with. We think that because I took the trip to the abortion clinic. We think that because I made some bad decisions that led to an arrest, we have decided that God could never really use us. We have decided that, that ministry and leaving a legacy is for the super-duper uh, strong believers who don't make mistakes. And I want to tell you this morning, those people don't exist. If you think that God could never use your life, because of past mistakes, I want to I challenge you on that because essentially you are believing one of the lies from Satan. Satan will tell you that because of past mistakes, you are disqualified for service. But if that was true, then God could not use anyone other than Jesus. Moses could not have been used because he killed someone. Noah couldn't have been used because of his drinking issues. Paul couldn't have been used because of his persecution. Peter could not have been used because of his denial. And all of my could not be, could not hinder me, or it would, it would hinder me from really doing what God's called me to do. If we take a moment and we reflect on where we are, we understand that all of us are flawed and all of us are in need of God's grace. All of us are in a position to where if, if ministry and legacy was about our performance, we would all fail. I can hear somebody thinking or saying, well, preacher, does it not matter how I live? I mean, Georgianne read this morning about holy living. She read about how God has called us to live differently. And I would say, absolutely, God does call us to live differently. But here's the difference. Jesus meets you where you are. There is not a certain standard of living that you must meet to have a relationship with Christ. There is not a certain level of consistency that you must meet uh, to become a part of God's family. Uh, we are a part of God's family because of what Christ accomplished on the cross, period. 
But while we confess that the Lord does meet us where we are, one of the things that I loved about, love about the gospel is God never leaves us the way we are. It's impossible, it's impossible to have a relationship with Christ and be the same person and not change. You can't tell me that you have a relationship with Jesus. You can't tell me that the God who created the heavens and the earth, you cannot tell me that the Lord of all creation has entered your life and you are the same person. The issue is not my performance. Many times the issue is, am I willing to surrender to what God has called me to do? So some of us struggle with, uh, I cannot be used because of my past mistakes. While others of us, we probably struggle more so with, uh, I can't be used because I'm not as gifted or as talented as others. We think that because I'm not called to preach or I'm not called to sing, well, well, can God really use me? If you're thinking that way, um, I want to challenge you that, that part of your perception is that God only uses the people who lead up front. That God only uses the people who, who stand up on stage. When you look at the life of this man named Tychicus, I love his life because there is no record of him preaching and thousands of people being saved. There is no record of him singing and people being moved by his giftedness. There is no record of him giving a gift to the church and people being moved because of his generosity. But when you look at the record, when you look at the text, when you look at his life, there is a testimony that should encourage us all because you see that God can use anybody who makes themselves available to be used greatly by God. I want to say something very important here. I cannot think of one person who has ever made an impact by themselves. Specifically, when you look at the scripture, we remember characters like Nehemiah, who was the leader of rebuilding the wall, but he didn't rebuild the wall by himself. When you think about Moses delivering the people, Moses did not do it by himself. When you think about Paul preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth, Paul did not do it by himself. There is a truth that we need to be reminded of, that God never calls us to do things by ourselves, But God calls us to do things through the context of community because God wants us to do more together. Here's the truth. We can accomplish more together that we can ever accomplish by ourselves. It's not specifically said in the text, but as I, was pre- as I was preparing for the sermon, the question that just came to my mind was, what if Tychicus took the attitude, I'm better than carrying the letters. I'm anointed. I'm called to God. Who is this Paul guy? Matter of fact, Tychicus probably could have said, Paul's done more sinning in his life than me. So maybe the letter should come from me instead of coming from Paul. Maybe I should be the one who sings on Sunday. Maybe I should be the one who preaches on Sunday. Maybe I should be the one who gets my name called. And if if Tychicus took that attitude, then all of the beautiful letters that that we are richly encouraged by would have been missed. When you think about his life, if if Tychicus had had that attitude, we wouldn't have Philippians 4.19, which says, 
and my God shall supply all of my needs. If Tychicus had had that attitude, we wouldn't have Romans 8 that, that reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not tribulation, not distress, not persecution, not famine. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus because of Christ and his, what he has accomplished for us on the cross. If, if Tychicus took that attitude, then we would not have the rich truth that so encourages us today. We must remember that when you look at his life, what is commended about Tychicus is not his, his ability. Like we are so enamored today with people's personal abilities. Do you run fast? Do you sing good? Are you smart? Like we are so consumed with performance and what I love about the text is it takes the time to, to chronicle his character more so than his reputation. In the text, it speaks about uh, his character. It speaks about uh, his, 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 his innermost being, who he was when no one was looking. It's not about what people simply said about him. It's what God determined him to be. When you look at his life, there, there are three very very powerful, but very precise descriptions of his life. Scripture tells us that he was a beloved brother, meaning he was cared for by God. He's a faithful servant, meaning he was committed to God. And he was a fellow servant, meaning he was content with God. First, let's look at how he was cared for by God. Verse 7 simply says, remember he is described as a beloved brother. When his name is mentioned, the first word that is used is the word beloved. Before he carried a letter, before he had a close relationship with the apostle Paul, he was described as a person who had been um, drafted or grafted into God's family. I want you to catch this. Before he was a servant, he was a child of God. His identity was not in what he did. His identity was in who he belonged to. His identity was in, in, in Christ. His identity was in what God has, had accomplished on his behalf. He wasn't simply a member of the family. He was a beloved member of the family. Um, my pop is here, and I, I could give some names uh, of our family members. We talk all the time. I, he just went... Uh, to South Carolina a couple weeks ago and um, I asked how, my, how cousin so-and-so is doing. I'm not going to give their name because they may hear this sermon online. <laughs> and it's amazing to me. I'm like, is such and such still tripping? Is such and such still acting a fool? Is such and such still doing what's wrong? And it's almost as if you kind of want to trade some family members at times, right? You wish you could kind of, you know, have a draft. Like, hey, let's just... <laughs> Let's redraft some family members. <laughs> but Tychicus was not that kind of family member. He was a family member who was beloved by God. He was a family member, and what Paul is communicating is that not just Tychicus, but when we place our faith in Christ, the scriptures tell us that we too are beloved by God. When we have a relationship with Jesus, the scriptures encourage us that we are accepted by God. 
In the passage, Tychicus is described as beloved, but when you look at the text, you can substitute your name in there if you have a relationship with Christ. Tychicus was beloved by God, meaning that he had been accepted into God's family. But here's the second part, part of it that's, that's probably the most applicable. He was beloved because he had been accepted by God, but Tychicus was also beloved because he had encouraged Paul at the roughest season of his life. Paul is saying he was a beloved brother because he was willing to walk with him through the roughest and the toughest moments of his life. Paul, I think we missed this, Paul is in prison. He's in jail, he's in chains, but he's still preaching the gospel. God is present with him, but here's the truth also. He found himself in prison, but he did not find himself alone in prison because God sent someone to encourage him in his faith. One of the greatest tragedies of the Christian life is that we try our best to live this life by ourselves. We try our best to do this life in our own strength. And I hate it because many of us We suffer and we go through hard seasons and we're struggling by ourselves. when the Lord has given you a body of believers to help walk alongside you. As, As a church, we cannot make the pain go away, but we can at least make sure that you are not alone during the roughest moments of your life. When you look at the text, just reading it, First thing is mentioned about Tychicus is that he is a beloved brother. Had to ask myself the question, Thomas, when you are, when your when your name is mentioned, what's the first word that people usually use? Is it that you are angry? That you are disrespectful? That you are rude, ungodly, self-centered, unavailable, uninterested? unconcerned, unbothered? Well, can people say things like, Thomas, you're kind. Thomas, you're patient. Thomas, you are a beloved brother. Let me take it a step further and ask another question. As a church body, we've been in existence for six years, and I'm very thankful that we have a very healthy body of believers. And this is not Competition Sunday, but let me just ask you a question. If you've been here for a significant amount of time, who in the church body can say, I can count on you? Like, who can say, I can count on Jay? I can count on Thea. I can count on Brian. I can count on Sean. I can count on Josh. I can count on uh, Christina. In the text, Paul is saying that he could count on Tychicus, and because he could count on him, he was a beloved brother. So first thing we see is that he was cared for by God. But secondly, we see he was committed to God. It says he was a faithful minister. Um, the word faithful should be understood as someone who is responsible, as someone who is worthy to be trusted. Could your, does, does your life say that? Does your life speak to you are worthy to be trusted with ministry, um, you guys know we were out at um, out in California this past uh, January for the Rose Bowl, and while I was there, I had an opportunity to uh, meet with uh, one of our 
one of our boosters at UGA. And um, you guys know I'm a full-time fundraiser with FCA, so we have to raise uh, funds for the ministry. If we don't raise the funds, you don't get paid. So uh, I figured uh, while I was out in California that I needed to go meet with one of my guys. Uh, while I was out there, um, I wanted to meet with him to ask him for some money, but I also wanted to meet with him because uh, I love uh, walking through houses that I can't afford. And uh, he was building a brand new house. Um, his neighbors are, um, one side is Christina Aguilera, on the other side is Leonardo DiCaprio. So I figured I need to go check the crib out, right? I need to make sure that everything was good. And, and the house, honestly, was it, was, it was so nice that I couldn't even appreciate it, you know? You ever been around somebody who's just on a different level than you, and they're like, telling you things that, and you're like nodding your head, but you just have no idea what they're talking about, right? But as I was getting ready to leave, he mentioned that um, he needed to have his car dropped off. And uh, he was on, he was a car service. And I was like, brother, you need me to drive to Bentley? <laughs> so I actually sent a video to some of the guys at the church where I was driving this 2018 Bentley. It's pretty nice. Don't think I would spend $300,000 for a car, but I can say I drove it. I used the illustration because on some level, when he handed me the keys, there was a transfer of trust, right? Like if I had hit somebody in his car, he would have been liable because he gave me permission to drive the car, right? Like he had to get to a place where he trusted me with something that was important, okay? When we think about the Christian life, We've been entrusted with something that is so much more valuable than a car. We've been entrusted with something that is so much more valuable than a house. We have been entrusted with something that can transform and change people's life. And the question that we need to consider is, can we be trusted with, with the ministry that God has given each and every one of us? When you think about the gospel message, some will preach it. Others will sing about it. Others will knock on doors to share it. Some will serve as ushers and greeters so that other people can be invited to hear it. Some will write devotional books about it. Some will serve in classrooms to teach it. Some will travel abroad to proclaim it. But here's the point. We must be faithful over it. We must be faithful over the opportunities that God has given us. And we must ask the question, can I be counted on? So first, Tychicus was cared for by God. Secondly, Tychicus was committed to God. And then lastly, Tychicus was content with God. It says he, is, he was a fellow bondservant in the Lord. Uh, Paul does not refer to him as his servant or as a servant. Paul does not say he is my personal assistant or my personal servant Paul says we are fellow servants. The word fellow communicates that they were in that thing together, that they were on the same level. It communicated they were on the same team. I can remember when I first started playing football, I, I was probably a little delusional because I thought that I was going to get to play running back. Y'all can see me. I don't look like no running back. I can remember my, my dad, he bought me a starter jacket, right? My favorite player was Bo Jackson. And in my mind, I was like, Bo, right? 
in my mind, I was going to get the ball and I was going to run. And I remember when we, when we had tryouts. For some reason, I don't know why, but the coach said, hey, bro, you're going to the line, right? <laughs> I can remember leaving games that we won frustrated because I didn't get to run the ball. I can remember being mad that I didn't get to score the wing touchdown. And I can remember a coach later on telling us, the reality of it is, some of us are upset. I can remember we were in the locker room and said, some of you guys are so selfish and self-centered, and you are upset, even though we won, but we didn't, get, we didn't win the way you wanted to win, right? I think that's a good word for every athlete, but I also think that's a good word for the church today. I think it's a good word for us to be, rem- be reminded that in the body of Christ, we are fellow servants. We are all on the same level. We all have the same opportunity to make an impact. It doesn't, doesn't matter what role you play. In God's economy, the letter carrier is just as, an, as valuable as the letter writer. That means in God's economy, the one singing the song in the pew is just as important as the one singing the song on the stage. That means the one who is teaching in the kids' ministry right now is just as important as the one teaching on the stage right now. For our church to be the community that God has called us to be, we've got to understand that we need every member fully engaged in ministry. We need everyone a part of, who is a part of this body functioning in the body. Now, culturally, we've begun to think that, well, churches, they really don't need me. Um, based on statistics, they say that the average church attender attends church 1.4 Sundays a month right now, which breaks my heart. I'm very thankful that I see y'all more than once a month. Praise God. But when you think about it, every member is needed in this body the same way that every part of your physical body is needed. If I ask you right now, what, like, tell me, what part of your physical body don't you need? Everything works together. Praise God. The arms, the legs, the feet, the eyes, the ears, like every part of your body is needed physically. And if that is true, then every part of your body is needed spiritually. I love Brian who gives the illustration. The quickest way to kill a part of your body is to cut off a part of the body. If you want to kill your finger, cut it off from the body. If you want to kill your arm, cut it off from the body. The quickest way to kill off the body part is to cut it away from the body. And I want to say this. No matter where you are, no matter if you're in Athens, no matter if you're a student, no matter if you're passing through, you need to be a part of a local body of believers. And when you are disconnected from the body, a member of the body dies and the, mem- and the body itself begins to suffer. Chris, you can come on back up. We're finished for today. We've got three, actually four points of application, and then we're done. The first thing that we should consider as we look at the life of Tychicus is we get to be a part of God's family, right? We get to. We don't have to. We get to be a part of something really, really special, not because of our own performance and not because we're good, but we get to be a part of God's body 
and God's family. And it is a tremendous privilege that we do not need to take lightly. Secondly, we get to be responsible for ministry. One of the things I'm going to talk about this Wednesday night is what does it look like to be fully engaged in ministry at our church? Plug for you to be here, right? Everyone has been entrusted with a ministry. My ministry looks different than your ministry, but everyone is called to be fully engaged. And we got to ask ourselves, am I being responsible over what God has entrusted me with? Thirdly, we get to serve alongside our brothers and sisters in ministry. It's a privilege to serve with y'all, man. I, I know I'm the senior pastor here, but I'm thankful that we're doing this thing together. People often ask me, well, Thomas, how is your church? And I quickly tell them, I don't have a church. I didn't die for anybody. I'm not trying to die for these folks, right? Just <laughs> being real. This is Christ's church because Christ died, right? Just being honest. This is our thing. It's not Thomas's thing. This is our thing. And for this place to be the church that God's called us to be, we got to see it as our thing. And then fourthly, and if you have been asked to pray, I should have come on up. Fourthly, we get to encourage other believers in tough seasons in their life. One of the things that I love about our church is that when there is a need in the body, we are willing to stand up quickly and do life with another brother or sister. Okay? So as we close, band's going to play a little bit. Jake, could you come up too? Band's going to play a little bit. And I want to encourage anyone. Brian, could you come up? If there's someone here who would like a member of the body to pray with you as we sing, the altar is open. Coming to the altar to pray doesn't mean that your life is falling apart, but it means that you want a brother or a sister to pray with you. I also want to give an invitation. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, if you do not understand what it means to be a Christian and you would like to talk to someone about what are the next steps? How do I have a relationship with God? How do I uh, begin this journey of faith? These folks would love to pray with you and talk with you. Ashley, could you come up too? I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to sing a little bit, and we're going to just take a few moments, and we'll allow folks to respond. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the blessing that you give us to do life together. God, help us in these next few moments, God, to respond in a way that is appropriate. God, if there's someone here today that does not know you from the free part of their sins, meaning they were to die today, they would be unsure where they would spend eternity. God, I pray that they will come forward and they will talk to one of my brothers and my sisters up front. I pray that they would come asking the question that we considered last week, what must I do to be saved? If you're a believer here, I want you to pray specifically that those who are here who don't have a relationship with Christ will feel compelled to come forward. And also, if there's a member of our body who's hurting, there's someone who maybe has an a issue going on in their life, or maybe even you want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving, I want you to know that the altar's open. 
want you to know that this is an opportunity for you to be encouraged in your faith. And I pray, Lord, that you would lead and guide this time. In Jesus' name, amen.